The Prayers of Many. Chapter 8, Tree. Corporate prayer is like uprooting a tree. In 1744, Jonathan Edwards began to take corporate prayer very seriously. He invited all the churches he had connection with to join him at regular times to pray. They prayed in their different places for a season about the same things. He explained his thinking a couple of years later in a book with the rather long title, A Humble Attempt to Promote Explicit Agreement and Visible Union of God's People in Extraordinary Prayer for the Revival of Religion and the Advancement of Christ's Kingdom on Earth later known more simply as a humble attempt. Edward's vision for corporate prayer was picked up with great zeal by William Carey and those working with him from the Baptist Missionary Society. We have in recent times made our own humble attempt by inviting local churches to join together in hubs to pray in different places but at the same time. It's extraordinary prayer in different locations with a sense of occasion. It's explicit agreement as we focus on the themes of our prayers around similar things in the different hubs. It's visible union, so that although we are in different places across different time zones, we are meeting on the same day at the same time in our time zones, demonstrating our unity by praying for the same things in large numbers, the prayers of many. Extraordinary Prayer The extraordinary part of Edward's initial prayer meetings was that they were not the regular weekly or routine prayer meetings of the local church, but were arranged with a sense of occasion above and beyond the normal. These were serious and purposeful gatherings in their intention. Edwards and his colleagues originally decided to hold them for seven years to allow them to determine whether or not anything could be seen by way of answers. Edwards knew things can take time in prayer and called for a long-term commitment. Visible Union The churches who responded to Edwards' call made prayer an expression of their gospel unity. I'm still convinced that the small beginnings we have seen with our enough prayer meetings have the potential to draw many thousands more into visible union. We have requested churches, where possible, to come together in hubs, perhaps a minimum of two to three churches, with ideally no fewer than 100 people. These hubs become a tangible expression of our visible union, knowing that it is but a part of a greater whole. In some ways, technology allows for a greater visible union than ever before with live streaming. Skype and video calls and messages, even across continents and time zones, we have a measure of visible union. Explicit agreement. The beauty of many churches joining together to pray for commonly held desires in prayer is the genius of the united prayer time. Edwards felt that the agenda for prayer should be fashioned around what God had said he wanted to do. That which God abundantly makes the subject of his promises, God's people should abundantly make the subject of their prayers. Our model is borrowed from Jonathan Edwards, but we took our inspiration from Paul. The verse that inspired us was 2 Corinthians 1.11. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he is reflecting on the mission that he is engaged in and thinking about the enormity of it and the challenges this presents. He says to the Corinthians, You also must help us in prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. It was that last little phrase, the prayers of many, that caught our attention when we were thinking about corporate prayer. I think it's true to say, looking through the New Testament, that you can't find many instances where Paul or any of the other New Testament writers refer to the size of the local church being the important thing in being fruitful in mission. Yes, we all want church to be bigger and grow and for more and more people to come to know the Lord, but even a small church can be fruitful in its locality as it grows. There isn't an optimum size for fruitfulness. 
It seems to me, reading this verse, that Paul was very mindful that prayer is more effective than more people that are involved. Because he talks about the prayers of many being the thing that actually provokes the answers from heaven for which we give thanks. Spurgeon also seemed to notice the power of many people praying together. Somebody said the other day of prayer meetings that two or three thousand people had no more power in prayer than two or three. I think this is a grave mistake in many ways. For have you never noticed that when many meet together praying, warmth of desire and glow of earnestness are greatly increased? How can we think about how this concert of prayer, this coming together in prayer is more effective because we are many? Some years ago in our back garden we had a conifer tree that had grown very large. It came to the point where we had to cut it down. Being the first time I'd ever had to cut a tree down, I just cut it almost to ground level and then began the long, laborious task of digging all of the roots out. That took a long while and a lot of sweat and I was sure we left some of the roots in. It was the first time I'd ever done it and it wasn't the tidiest job. After finishing, I thought, I don't want to do that again in a hurry. It was a lot of work to get those roots out, lots of single-handed hard work. Some years later, this time in our front garden, we had a willow tree which had also become too big for the garden. I remember thinking with some concern that we'd have to go through all that root digging again. A friend, who was more knowledgeable in tree surgery than I was, gave me some advice. He said that when we cut the tree down, rather than cutting it all the way to the ground, cut it down so it was about at head height. His experience was that if we were to do that, then a group of us could get hold of the trunk and lever it out. Together we could uproot it much more easily than we would have done with a spade at the roots. We followed his advice and although we still had to do a lot of digging around the base of the tree, it didn't just pop out of the ground. Nevertheless, the comparison between levering the trunk with a group of friends and working on your own digging roots with a spade is stark. The more friends you've got helping you to use the trunk as leverage, the easier it is to uproot something. Now apply that to corporate prayer and I believe the imagery works. Praying on our own is powerful. James tells us that Elijah was a man just like us and that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5.16-18 So we know one person's prayer can make a huge difference. Yet there is also this emphasis in the Bible that when churches come together across the generations, whether you are a young Christian or have been a Christian many years, whether you are a child or a pensioner, whatever age, whatever experience, when we come together and leverage our prayers together in these great concerts of prayer, something incredibly powerful happens that can spiritually uproot things. The roots are an image of the enemy's infiltration into the world around us. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But the devil has come like a thief, a liar and a cheat and a destroyer and we can see the demonic roots of his work penetrate in lots of areas of our world. They penetrate the nations we live in, the communities we live in and the lives of the people around us that we know and love and as well as big global issues. Sometimes in other parts of the world the roots of the enemy's work are so devastating you can hardly see any soil. We might think, how do we uproot all of this? But although those roots look impenetrable, the earth belongs to the Lord. These roots should not be there and they need uprooting. When we pray in large numbers, our vision for enough is that we will get to at least 20,000 people across the world. The increased leverage we have means we will begin to see enemy strongholds uprooted. The soil will be free to be cultivated and to have the seeds of God's kingdom planted. So as we journey through our concert of prayer together and as we pray about the same things, as we watch the videos, fill in the postcards, do the activities, pray for people to come to know the Lord, 
Every single prayer of every single person is like a mighty leveraging of this great tree trunk. Together we can say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth, in the earth even, as it is in heaven. We will be pulling together, lending our spiritual weight to the end of the lever to bring about the will of God as it is in heaven. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have to go out and work hard. We still have to share the gospel to influence communities and be good news to those around us. We still have to do some digging. Prayer doesn't replace the work we have to do. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we've got to still do stuff, but it's a whole lot easier to do kingdom work when we have already begun to leverage in prayer the things that we want to see happen so that when we dig at those roots, they come up a lot easier. Will you join the revolution? The aim of this little book is to recruit you and your church into a prayer revolution. Across the generations and nations, corporate prayer has ebbed and flowed as God has moved and worked across many peoples. We face remarkable opportunities to change things in our world, both by what we do and say, and also, more foundationally, by our collective prayers. Through prayer, there is no problem that cannot be solved, no sickness that cannot be healed, no burden that cannot be lifted, no storm that cannot be weathered, no devastation that can't be relieved, no sorrow that can't be erased, no poverty cycle that can't be broken, no sinner that can't be saved, no perishing that can't be rescued, no fallen that can't be lifted, no hurt that can't be removed, no broken relationship that can't be mended, no difference that can't be resolved, no hindrance that can't be shaken, no limitation that can't be overcome, no mourning that can't be comforted, no ashes that cannot become beauty, no heaviness that can't be covered with the garment of praise, no thirst that can't be quenched, no hunger that can't be filled, no dry ground that can't be flooded, no desert that can't blossom, no congregation that can't be revived, no preacher that can't be anointed, no church pews that can't be filled, no church leadership team that can't become one, no community that can't be Christianized, and no nation that can't be transformed. If the above is true, and I believe it is, then let us make corporate prayer a contagion and continue the revolution. Then we will not only see great fruitfulness around us, but it will help bring prayer back onto the front foot of church life, which is where it should be.